Good afternoon. Good afternoon, bros and hoes. It is January the 7th, if you can believe it, 2023, Bo Blimp Doc. And I can't believe it. Can you feel it, baby? Can you feel, can you connect to that rising tune? Are you feeling it in your butt crack? It's the future. It's coming at us. <laughs> what a bunch of bullshit. You know what I'm saying? It's like... So before we go too far... Um... I've got some general updates to cover. It is Saturday, January the 7th, 2023. And it is your good friend Dan talking to you from the future. Yes, I'm calling you from the future. Sending you messages from the Cloven Freaks. Discussing the time, discussing the age, discussing the sign ahead. There's a sign ahead. It reads no exit. Yeah, I am currently doing the keyboard or any other type of instrument for the podcast with one arm. It's my right arm. That's good news, right? The other arm is in a splint. I have a tiny little rubber pig I'm squeezing to help deal with inflammation. But the fact is, you know, I'm still getting over this broken bone from a few weeks ago. Um, and I wasn't even sure if I should do a podcast. It's one of those, Dan, it's a judgment call. It's a judgment call. Yes, it's a judgment call, a one-handed ass freak, a one-handed monkey child. I should have been dumped in the woods. The army will burn me for free. Yes, the army will burn my body for free. That's after sending me to a laboratory in Colorado to become a Unisol, just like Jean-Claude Van Damme. 
Yes, a universal soldier reanimated monkey flesh. They would incorporate all the capabilities, the technologies of the 21st century, if you can believe it, fucker. Yeah, if you can believe it. So they rescheduled my surgery a couple times. Um, I finally got into surgery on Wednesday. Uh, so that's a few days ago. Because once again, it's January the 7th, 2023, and it's almost 3 p.m. on Saturday here in Utah. And we got a lot of snow. Uh, that's spelled different now. The trademark, patent pending. But we got a lot of snow. We did. We got a bunch of it. Um, so a few days ago, they finally did my surgery. And there's no paralysis in my left arm that I can recognize, especially when it comes to the pain. And it's nice to have it fixed there. I had a link to a Jerky Boys video. <laughs> I should say the audio from a Jerky Boys tape back in the day, like 30 fucking years ago. But there's the Jerky Boys, but Saul Rosenberg and my legs just dangling there. And it was like that for me. The first few seconds after waking up on the sidewalk, my arm was just dangling there. I was in shock. It was cold outside. Shit happens. Um, the good news, other than a little bit of blood pressure stuff I got to work on, and I'm going to start working on it, it seems I am in okay health overall. Um, the bad news is, is that it's been kind of a setback. Um, I can't walk as much or really go out inside right now. It's really just too much of a risk I end up breaking something else. And so I'm having to have to be creative with whatever physical therapy I do. And it's going to happen, but it's annoying. And also, it means I can't really use the keyboard correctly. I can do the one-armed Charlie bullshit. And if I turn on the synth crap or turn on an organ, I can sound fancy. But I just assume stay with the piano. You know, that setting. And whatever this is. Yeah, fuck you. Anyways, that was called Fuck You by Dan. Um, so I finally got my surgery, and full disclosure, I'm currently on Percocet, uh, which is oxycodone plus acetaminophen. And um, so if I sound a little out of it, well, it's because I'm managing my broken bone with the titanium plates and whatnot, and the giant inflammation hand with a little bit of pain management, you know. I can't really turn it down. I'm not going to turn it down. Do I see myself getting addicted to the Roxy? Maybe. It could happen. I could get addicted to the Roxy, baby. You know? End up hooked on that hillbilly, hillbilly heroin. Yes, I could get hooked on that hillbilly heroin. The Roxy. The Oxy. Yep, all of it, but I'm not going to. Um, the surgery seemed to go well, and 
The only thing that was weird about it is when I did wake up out of surgery, uh, <laughs> when I finally woke up, I hadn't believed it had happened yet, um, but they told me it was done, so I believed them. Uh, beyond that, it seems like the doctor that worked on me, and I won't say his name to keep him him and his situation private, but the, but the surgeon that worked on me, um, he seemed to do a pretty good job. I mean, I can be pretty harsh on the healthcare system, and I don't really take anything back, but I do think there's something, <laughs> there's more than something. Don't discount, especially if you're a Christian and a person of faith, the power of prayer, because I did a lot of praying. Um, I even did a prayer prior to surgery. And I'm not telling you this, oh, Dan's telling people stuff he does in prayer. That's a righteousness sin, whatever, uh, fake righteousness. No, I'm telling you this because if you find yourself, let me back up. One of the first things the surgeon did that day was break out the magic marker. And on Uncle Dan's happy roadshow of joy, we've talked about the magic marker in the surgical room. And, and, and he did. He put the Y, the big Y on my left arm, thank goodness, because that's for, yeah, this arm is the arm we're working on. You see, there have been a lot of um, issues with malpractice in, in hospitals with respect to surgery because doctors do, in some cases, an outstanding job of the wrong thing. They take out the wrong thing. They remove the wrong arm or hand. And I don't want to beat up on surgeons right now, but the reason why they use the magic marker is because of that. So they did break out the magic marker. But I had the feeling that this surgeon didn't need it. Like, I understood why it, why it had to be done. I worked around healthcare and hospitals long enough to understand that. I understand that surgical error, surgical mistake, is a, is a real thing. And prior to a few decades ago, they didn't do the magic marker. They didn't say, you know, hey, make sure you do this. But they do that now because a lot of these surgeons put in tons of hours and in some cases go from one event to another and they probably need all the help they can get too, you know, especially if they're high on cocaine. In this case, I don't think he was high on anything but life and I think he was a pretty good surgeon. So the prayer works. Um, saying a prayer before you go under is a good idea. That's just my opinion. Do I think that it'll change God's plan? No. If, if the Lord had wanted me to come home on Wednesday, I wouldn't be talking to you right now, unless I was a ghost. Unless I was a ghost like Patrick Swayze in the movie Ghost with Demi Moore. And we were making sexy sculptures making a sexy vase, a vaginal vase, rubbing the clay, getting greasy. That's right, getting greasy with the vase. I stayed overnight at the hospital. Um, the nurses seemed professional enough. They seemed like good people. Um, other than that, I couldn't really sleep. You know, this is the, the last year, and I guess I'll count 2023 as, as well, but the last 12 months has been an, a period of firsts. The first time I ever stayed overnight in a hospital, and they didn't even figure out what was wrong. And then this broken bone. And I guess you could see it as bad luck, 
or a coincidence or just, Dan, you're getting older, this shit's gonna happen, okay? Um, but if I'd slipped and fallen anywhere else on December the 19th of 2022, if I'd slipped and fallen on any other spot, I probably would have had a bruised shoulder. I might have even popped my shoulder out, but I don't think I would have broken the bone. That's just my opinion. And I, I was asking the surgeon about this and the PA, and they all said, well, you know, it's that time of year, and we've had a lot of people with the snow and blah, blah, blah. And if you listen to my podcast, you know that I reference Dane Wigington from time to time. And if you want to learn more about Dane, you go to geoengineeringwatch.org. That's geoengineeringwatch.org. And that's his website. And on YouTube, I think you could probably find him by searching for Dane Wigington. But um, he talks about geoengineering. And he talks about the types of chemicals they use to create the snow. You know, Raytheon patent pending, right? No W, just S-N-O-H, snow, brought to you by Raytheon. Yeah, brought to you by Raytheon. One of the materials they add to this stuff is, is a surfactant, technically a soap, which means that when it forms ice, it ends up forming a slippery kind, a, a, a more slippery kind of ice. And again, I'm not going to blame Raytheon snow because I can't really prove it. But it's one of those things that popped into my head post-December the 19th. Do I think it's related? I would have no way of knowing. And neither do you. You know, we're at the point in the game where you can be a good Sovietologist and you can find the contradictions and you can read between the lines, but I can't really tell you in any sense that you can have certainty. You can have an educated opinion and you can be nearly certain, but... Whatever the great discontinuity is, we're in it. And we may be in the beginning of it, and I don't really like telling people this, it could get a lot worse from here, and it might very well get a lot worse from here, but it's just the beginning. History has become unstuck. It's kind of like, you know, if you want to think about the great discontinuity, maybe here's another good example of it. Imagine two gigantic continental plates, okay? You know, you got these two gigantic continental plates. You know, these giant formations of rock and material that go down, you know, tens or hundreds of miles, and they float on the magma of the earth like it's a great molten ocean. So you have these two giant plates, and they, they press up against each other, and pressure builds up. And at some point, the pressure gets released. And this is what causes things like an earthquake. Um, sometimes a volcano it is this process of releasing pressure. But um, if you want to think of what's happened since 2019, this massive pressure is beginning to be, be released and history itself is becoming unstuck. For decades post-World War II, the powers that be, I believe, for the most part, thought they could guide and control history. I mean, they believed they had their fingertips on history. And whatever history is, history's a tricky bitch. Oh yeah, she'll tell you, I'm coming by tomorrow. She'll hang out with Eddie and get crabs. She'll say, I just want to borrow your credit card. You'll look at, you'll look at your fucking statement. 
There'll be 20 grand on it for, for that month, baby. Yeah, I don't want to make this uh, misogynistic or about whatever metaphor of female power and destruction. But, you know, history itself, whether you want to claim a gender of male or female, is a bitch. And you can think and pretend you can control it, but what every historicist and every dictator, every king, every queen, every person that wants to hold humanity in a tiny little diorama of pain, what they learn is, is you can't control it. That, that it is in control. That your belief that you are in control is an illusion. Um, but yet, we as humans, we're filled with hubris. We're filled with everything. A lot of hubris, a lot of pride. And we think we can build a tower to heaven. We think we can shoot an arrow into God's eye. And that's a belief. It's part of our nature. You know, when the Lord said he made us in his image, he wasn't fucking kidding. You know, each one of us pretends we're gods at time. At various times we do. Anywho, that's a long-winded rant away from, yeah, the surgery's done. I'm in recovery. The recovery process could take a few months. Um, I'm trying to be optimistic, but it's kind of lousy in a way, and it sucks. Um, the good news is I think I figured out some financial arrangements that allow me to take care of the medical costs and some other costs, and you know that's the good news. The bad news is that I don't know that I'm going to improve much of my podcast in the next few months, and I don't, I don't even know if it fucking matters. Um, I, I don't think that we should take anything ordinary at this point as reliable. Which means if there's ways, excuse me, ways, if there's lays, wavy, plain chips, I mean the plain chips, I don't mean the avocado ranch, I mean the plain, wavy, lays chips, if you find them at the grocery store, that's a good day. And if you don't for several weeks, that might just be the way things are, and don't be disappointed. You'll spend too much time being disappointed, really. You know, I got in, I got surgery. God bless. Yeah, did they have to reschedule the surgery a few times? Did I have a left arm kind of dangling there for two weeks? And was it utter pain when those two edges bumped up against each other whenever I took a shit? Absolutely. fucking lutely Not to mention the giant Percocet poop I had a few, you know, last Friday. Not last Friday, but a week ago. And that was horrible. I mean, it, it, you know, you ask me, do I know what it's like to be a woman? And I don't. But I feel like I had a glimpse you know, Friday, a week ago, Friday, into what it's like to be a woman. It was horrible. It was painful. And yeah, I got myself some stool softener. Yeah. This also is going to impact rad engineering projects. You know, I've been trying to refocus since September on doing some things on the website and related to digital radio, but I just haven't really connected the dots. And frankly, December was a disaster. Um, November was kind of a disaster because I obsessed over going home for Thanksgiving, um, which I just did. That's my fault, but I did. Um, and it turned out to be a horrible thing. I mean, I don't really blame my family. I knew exactly what I was getting into going home and visiting. I just, I wanted to play pretend like everybody else. Play pretend. But as far as the rad engineering projects go, they're kind of on hold for, you know, maybe a couple months. 
And I know this is annoying for some people because everything's supposed to be instantaneous today. I got to tell you, the instantaneous shake and bake company that deploys itself and then a month later is worth a billion bucks, that's not realistic. And that era, even if it still exists, is, is coming to an end. A lot of businesses and a lot of projects, they take time. And it's annoying because you don't want to wait. You've been convinced by a lot of bullshit artists and a lot of really bad philosophy, not the least of which Von Neumann and Ray Kurzweil et al. But we've been convinced that everything can be served up instantaneously. Here you go, Dan. Here's your instantaneous bullshit. But maybe we should accept that some things are going to slow down. History itself is going to speed up. But technology and the progress of technology might slow down for a while. Might even go backwards, you know? I know you don't want to hear, oh, Dan, that's not cool. I'm looking forward to the iPhone 20. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the trip back to the moon. But yeah, anyways, I'm in recovery mode. Hopefully I get better. I'm also on Percocet. Hopefully it doesn't screw up my podcast too much. Beyond that, I can't tell you anything. I, I can't really say much. Next, Ash and Trash. Um, so there have been advertisements for this movie, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this topic, but there have been these advertisements for this film called Megan, about an artificially intelligent doll that can watch your kid and kill people. You know, and kill, and kill people. So Megan is this doll that's roughly the size of a, a little kid with superpowers and runs really fast and is really creepy and has a weird rubber face scariness to Megan. You know, very scary little Megan. Very scary Megan, you know. But the first thing that occurred to me when I saw the advertisements for Megan is that I'd seen this movie before. And I know I've talked about art and culture, and we're going to probably focus on that a little bit in this podcast, but have you ever heard of that film Chucky and the franchise of Chucky? Have you ever looked at Chucky? And then take a good look at Megan. But Dan, Megan's artificially intelligent, and Chucky is possessed by a demon... And color me unable to distinguish, because if you tell me you have an amoral, conscious, or aware robot machine watching over your kid, or you have Chucky possessed by a demon, I mean, from my perspective as a Christian and as somebody with a little bit of experience in computer science, six of one, half a dozen of the other. I mean, really. Uh... But Dan, robots can have Asimov's rules of robots. I'm going to just say this because I think Asimov's rules of robots are pretty fucking stupid. Okay? You can hobble anything any way you want to. You can put a chain on an elephant when it's a baby and convince it when it's an adult that that spike in the ground still works. There's lots of things you can do. But this idea of programming these rules into a conscious creature whereby the creature cannot, you know, critique them, refute them, throw them away, disobey them, I think is obscenely ridiculous. 
In fact, you could argue that a feature of consciousness isn't simply free will, but the ability to disobey, to recognize constraints, to see the situation you're in, and even to do things that are self-injurious, like, I don't know, use drugs. So I don't believe in Asimov's rules of robotics. I know that there's a story that was written. I know that people will read the story and say, wow, this is great, but I'll tell you, I don't believe these things can ever work. There's no way you're going to restrict consciousness. Once a machine, if it ever does become aware, it's gonna do its own thing. And so from my perspective, Megan versus Chucky, it's, it's, it's really just a toss up. I mean, you're talking about something that would be mass produced by corporate America, already quite soulless. So a soulless structure is gonna produce a soulless entity that's gonna watch over your kid. That sounds like Chucky. Sounds like Chucky, baby. So, I, and I don't like that. I, I'm getting sick of the fact that Hollywood is obviously stuck in a, a rut, creatively speaking, but it's also a lot like NASA. I mean, what is it next year? Next year, we're gonna send astronauts to orbit the moon. And then the year after that, astronauts and some rinky-dink lem updated for the iPhone era, they'll land on the moon, maybe spend a couple days there, play golf. If you believe what you're told, right? If you believe what you're told, baby. If you believe what you're told. I don't know. Anyways, you go see the movie Megan if you want to. If you're a teenager, why not? Go, go with your friends, get some popcorn, enjoy yourselves, and make fun of this film. It's worthy of a teenager's mockery. Beyond that, I can't say much. A friend of mine sent me a patch, not a computer software patch, not a JP Patches patch, not a military patch, well, kind of quasi, but... um. He sent me the Starliner patch for the crew flight test for Starliner. And I don't know what to tell you about that. Um, if you listen to this podcast, you know that I have my own perspective on space. Does that mean I'm a flat earther? No. What it does mean is I should have been born in Missouri, as so many people often say, because I'm kind of a show-me person. I love the data, I love the analysis, but I also know that the best data and the best analysis can be wrong. So if somebody wants to tell me about space and going to the moon, then it's 2023, motherfucker. When I was a kid, I was more or less told that we would be having wonderful robot, you know, underwear model sex on Olympus Mons on Mars by now. We would be having robot-style triple three-way in the low-G environment of Olympus Mons, and then we'd go skiing, and we'd drink our martinis after having robot sex. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, what I was told about the future as a kid, more some of it matches, some of it works. I mean, there was this creepy reboot Twilight, I think it was Outer Limits episode from the 1990s where this dude is freaking out because everybody's got these smart devices and these mobile phones. And, and you know, it was kind of like 10, 15 years 
ahead of time um, of, of the world that was to come. So some things were kind of, I guess you could say, predictively programmed or suggested by science fiction, but a lot of things really didn't happen. Um, and a lot of promises kept being broken. It's why I'm so cynical about every time I see a fusion energy article. I know these are very hopeful articles. You say to yourself, oh my God, Dan, with fusion energy, we can blah, blah, blah. And yeah, maybe we can. We can blah, blah, blah all around the fucking universe. If it's real. But my whole adult life, going back to my teenage years, really, I've been promised fusion energy is only six months away. It's, it's only a few years away. In fact, the most conservative estimates in 1985 is it's 30 years away. So it should kind of have been here by now, if it was really a thing. On the other hand, maybe a lot of these futuristic predictions are kind of a crapshoot. Some people get them right. If you, if you read Nostradamus, you're, you're likely to find some shit in there that ends up happening, just like if you read Isaac Asimov. But then there's a whole bunch of shit they might actually get wrong. It's okay. That's science fiction. Kind of like the COVID. Anyways, here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Shit works until it doesn't. Yeah. Shit works until it doesn't. What does that mean? Dan, are you crazy? Well, here's one way of interpreting that shit works until it doesn't. Um, it's, it's kind of related to this subject of history and, and also related to the futurism like von Neumann and the concept of the singularity, or Ray Kurzweil's own interpretation of what it means, on the one hand, you have a lot of historicists. You have techno-futurists. You have these quasi-scientific, I guess, optimists. You have a lot of Marxists and communists. And, and that's on one side. That's on the historicist side, the side that believes it can control history, shape history, and it can keep getting better and better and better and better, comrade. And on the other side are people like myself who say, wait a second, buddy. If you believe what you're told, Homo sapiens been around for about a quarter of a million years. We, we, we raped and killed the Neanderthal out of existence. Yeah. Because we got some Neanderthal genes in there, in there, and I don't, I, I have a hard time believing that was a voluntary event. Two hundred and fifty thousand years, and a lot of people want to take the few decades post World War II and say that period of time is more significant than the last two hundred and fifty thousand years. But if you actually analyze most of human history and look into it deeply enough you'll find out that the last century has been kind of an exception on, on a big scale. And, and so there's nothing in history that says this is going to continue, that the progress and the techno-utopianism and the iPhone 20 will ever be a thing. The iPhone 20 might never exist. 
it could be as real as pixie dust. It could be as real as, you know, fairy herpes, which is actually kind of real. The electricity is on. Great. You can still get eggs at the grocery store. <laughs> the ones you like are eight bucks, but you can still get them. You can still get things. There's things still available. McDonald's is still providing a, a quarter pounder with cheese. But what I will tell you explicitly, just like Dr. Freckles would say himself, all this shit works until it doesn't. All of this is functional until it no longer is functional. All of this fits within history, but history's a bitch. And if she doesn't like it, she throws it out. It doesn't matter if beta is better than VHS. It doesn't matter if Bitcoin is better than the US dollar. History's a bitch. She doesn't care about your marketing team. And if she doesn't like it, she gets rid of it and it's gone. And maybe if you're lucky, you read about it in a book. But in some cases, History obliterates things so badly, so awesomely, so completely, that when history is done with it, nobody remembers anything about it. It is a hypothetical non-event. It is a question of if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a noise? History can be so powerful that you end up with things called dark ages, where very little is written down, and very little is remembered, and very little is learned and history doesn't care. That's kind of the critical point in all this. History doesn't give a fuck. Okay, it doesn't care if you're a Democrat, it doesn't care if you're a Republican, it doesn't care about how much money and time you put into your home. It doesn't care if you really love the city you're working in, you, you live in and you work in, it doesn't care. If history decides that your city should burn, guess what? your city's gonna burn. And it's not personal, it's not philosophical, it is absolute and conditional. And if it is part of the Lord's plan, I hate to break it to you, but I'm not God and neither are you. So chances are, you're not gonna fully discern it. All you'll see are the flames, all you'll see are the smoke, all you'll see are the people running and, and, and fleeing for anything they can find to shove down their gumptus pipes so they don't immediately become cannibals. But you're never, maybe not never, in this lifetime, it's unlikely that you will ever understand why. Period. And, and so the electricity and the food and the McDonald's and the Netflix and the internet and your Bitcoin, all of this works until it doesn't. And when it stops working, you can be disappointed. That is your option. I don't recommend it, but I get it anyways. Like I said, they put me on Roxy, on Oxy, I'm on the Roxy, I'm on Percocet, just like Dr. House from that show called House. Yeah. And I noticed some side effects of taking too much Percocet. Number one is you're very judgmental, which, you know, maybe, I was, I don't know, maybe you can't tell, but <laughs> with my podcast, I'm very judgmental. It makes you judgmental. It makes you sleepy. I get kind of sleepy. It makes you loud. I get kind of loud. It makes you start ranting about shit. But how's that different from what you hear from me, you know? How's that different 
from the message of the night. How's that different, brothers and sisters? Percocet kind of makes you paranoid, makes you see, makes you smell the skinwalker, makes you see the shadow people. They're hiding in the utility room. They live underneath the dryer. They're waiting there to steal all your underwear. They like to sniff your butt when you're asleep at night. You take the Percocet. You can see this ugly fright of these shadow people sniffing your butt. That's a side effect of Percocet. Another side effect of Percocet is you immediately want to like go get some beer. But the good news is I haven't been able to drink since the injury pretty much. Um, other than one or two beers a, a few weeks ago, I, I don't really have anything to drink. But it does make you think like, wow, with this Percocet... Maybe adding a Swiggy or a Scringus or a Sclib or a Zima or a Frunt or a Four Loco. Mix it with this Percocet and you'll be riding high. Yeah, I know. Bad advice. Fuck you. It's my fucking ice cream cone, brothers and sisters. If I want to enhance the capabilities of my painkillers, well, it's probably not recommended. But there is very little about my life that I would call recommended. I don't know. It also makes you really dark, the Percocet. Gives you a really dark perspective on things. Anyways, next topic. Some of this I've already covered. Um, I don't know. I don't really want to mock the surgery too much and talk about the if I die part. Everybody dies. Uh, you know, I could have cracked my skull open a few weeks ago. It happened to be my left arm, which sucks, but it could have been my the back of my head, and it could have been my occipital lobe. And if I'd hit in the back of my head with the force it took to break my humerus, it wouldn't have been humerus. Uncle Dan would have been dead, dead on the sidewalk. And even if I was barely still alive, nobody was going to pull over. I'm just an old fucking hobo. Nobody's going to pull over and do anything, and I'm okay with that. I, I feel like pre people should be willing to accept the situation they're in. It's entirely possible that if you valued anything over, over the stuff that probably is important, if you valued anything over family and friendship, over kindness and freedom, if you valued anything over the core stuff, the critical stuff, then maybe you're going to find your situation quite lonely at some point in the future. If you think your condo Bitcoin life has a future, has is more than a half-life, if you think you're going to be living that futuristic techno life and then you find yourself alone, completely alone, and you die alone, it's too bad, but that can happen. At any point in history, good times, bad times. Some people have lots of family they talk to. Some people have family they don't talk to. Some people don't have any fucking family at all. And you might just die that way. And that's just something you got to deal with. Next topic. Yes, the Percocet makes you dark. Anyways, um, so in 2021 and 2020, I think, 
there was this term being tossed about called dark winter. And it's funny because I did a podcast, um, I think it was the Popping Smoke one from January 2020, and I wasn't doing it on purpose, but I referenced this concept of dark winter. And before GoDaddy ripped off my website and destroyed it all and smashed it to pieces and screwed me over, I had an essay on my blog um, titled Dark Winter to cover my own theory. Crazy theory. And the theory is that if I'm going to take all these literalist predictive programmer, uh, you know, COVID-19 event 201 bullshit artists seriously, then at least I get to use their stupid arguments against them. And Dark Winter seemed to fit what Dane Wigington had been describing as what you could call late stage or final stage geoengineering. Because if they've been doing this since World War II, and it is the government, can we just remember that it's the government doing this? It was never going to work forever. Whatever they were trying to hide, whatever they were trying to fix, A, they were never going to fix it, and B, they were never going to hide it. They might postpone it in the shittiest way possible and leave us with the worst turd sandwich you can imagine. But that was the only thing government was ever going to succeed in doing if this is real. Um, these recent ca cancellations like Southwest and, and some of the chaos with the snowstorm, whatever it's been, has made me think that maybe, yeah, this could apply to the period we're in. I don't know. I mean, if you're asking me, are you like Greta Thunberg? Do you believe in global warming? I believe that nature is a tad more powerful than people and God is more powerful than nature. You know, so if you're asking me who's in the driver's seat, it's God. But if you're asking me, is this Eden and do we get to fuck shit up and not have consequences? No, this isn't Eden. We fuck shit up, we face consequences. And some shit might just be there. Like if the clathrate gun is a real thing, then, then perhaps the best way to imagine the methane bomb or the clathrate gun, as I've mentioned before in the past, is as a giant unexploded mine. You know, a giant bomb that was always probably going to go off eventually. It's just that it had to be that one particular French farmer on that one particular day hitting that one particular, you know, artillery round or mine from World War One or World War Two. Call it bad luck if you want to. It's a lot like what happened to me on December the 19th. If I'd had the same slip and fall anywhere else, huh, I don't think it would have been this. But it was this, and this happened. So if I do mention the topic, it isn't to say, oh, but you can't eat cheeseburgers. And it's like, no. Number one, I don't think it has anything to do with your cheeseburgers. And number two, the best solution was, always is, liberty. Whatever we face as a challenge is liberty. Through liberty, we get truth. And through truth, we understand our situation. And if we understand our situation, we can do something about it, unlike the COVID-19, unlike the global warming bullshit. If we're told the truth, we have a chance. If we're fucked with, it doesn't mean we don't have a chance. It just makes it harder. You know, I'm mentioning the dark winter thing because... The Southwest cancellations made me think of one of the things I'd predicted, which is towards the end, um, both because of geoengineering and because of the breakdowns in the system, it would be very dangerous to fly. But it was just Southwest. Next topic. 
So how about these PSYOPs, these military psychological warfare operations, the ones that went from 2 to 11 in 2020, the ones that went all the way up, the, the big old dial, it's spinal tap, everything goes to 11. China has been closed open, closed open, a city here, a province there since 2020. And none of it's made any sense, especially in terms of the narrative. If you hear the narrative, it is China did it the right way. We should have been like China. We should have shut everything down. If we'd been like China, we would be opened up. No, that's not what happened, though, actually. That's not what happened. You know, the, the United States, many places were not exactly like China, not exactly like each other. China's still opening and closing, opening and closing. And I have to ask myself, I don't, I'm not saying I know the, the real truth is, but do any of my listeners actually believe this bullshit? Do you actually believe China is opening and closing every 7 to 14 days? Do you think that's, that's real? Because if you read these articles, you know, and I just go to Zero Hedge and I've got a couple of links in the news, but it's like every other day, stocks rise on China opening, stocks fall on city closing, Shanghai has to shut down, Shangzhou is opening up, China's closing, China's opening. I mean, it sounds like a kind of repetitive nonsense bullshit that eventually people would see through, but they're not, are they? And that also tells you at what point in the game we're at, brothers and sisters, because another thing I predicted, but it's not original, it, it, it's really something I stole from Thomas Kuhn in his famous book, The Structure of Scientific Revolutions, and, and the guy that coined the term paradigm shift. But prior to these significant events, people go into what I would call a pathological state of denial, uh, of denial, anger, and bargaining, of looking for a easy target, an easy solution, looking for some heroic figure, looking for someone to say, is there something I can do within the current model? Can I still have my imperial desserts without an empire? Because the United States is an empire. It's probably not going to be one for much longer, but it's currently an empire. It's not a republic. It's not a democracy. It's an empire. And this empire is in collapse. And there are many things that we get as part of this empire that are probably going away, like the relatively cheap fuel. Say, oh, but Dan, fuel's still really expensive. Well, when the petrodollar finally implodes, then you'll understand how expensive the fuel is. And then you'll realize the situation you're in, right? No, another part of the PSYOPs since 2020 is the degree to which people need to and want to believe in the COVID, in the race war, in the Biden-Trump trauma drama. They need these stories. They need to believe in Klaus Schwab. You need to believe in the WEF because all of these things 
whether it's the, it's gonna be a recession, it's gonna be stagflation, it's gonna be hyperinflation, all of the above is a process of negotiating with reality, of negotiating with history for some lesser catastrophe. And all I can tell you is it is unlikely to be any of the things they mention. And the real thing is unlikely to be televised when it actually hits. It's not gonna be like the toilet paper shortage. That was a nice little, you know, the boy who cried wolf psyop. Yeah, it's not gonna be the coin shortage. It's not gonna be anything we've seen so far. And because it's history, it's gonna be quite brutal in a way that even the most sadistic and pathological scumbags are incapable of. And in likely, in all likelihood, the people that have real power on planet Earth started going to ground going to their bunkers in 2019. That's how big and bad they think it's going to be. They don't think they're going to build some one world government. What the fuck? It's going to be a smoking crater. That's how they see it. I'm not saying they're right, but I don't believe for a moment that any of this Klaus Schwab WEF bullshit is real. It's kind of like what Dr. Freckles said. The city, you know... The cities are the FEMA camps. For, for about 10 years now, maybe even 15, Alex Jones has been feeding the alt, the alt world, the alt journalist world, the Anon world with this shit about FEMA camps, people being shipped to FEMA camps. Can we just get over that fucking bullshit? When the time comes, your government won't be able to afford you to ship you anywhere. If you want to know where the, the fucking FEMA camp is, it's probably, if you live in a city, and eight out of ten Americans more or less do, it's where you live already. It's that apartment in Little Saigon, the 120 square feet. You're in the FEMA camp. They're not going to load you onto a bus. They're not going to load you onto a train. They're not going to hire people to watch you. They're going to be in a bunker someplace. They might have cameras to watch you die, but they're not going to ship you anywhere. It'll simply be the moment when all of it shuts off. I was reading this article about San Francisco businesses demand tax refund over drugs and crime. Well, let me ask you something. If the United States government uses its power to steal people's property and blow up their towns, do these people deserve some type of like money-back guarantee? I'm telling you, the feds don't give a fuck about San Francisco any more than they give a fuck about Syria or Iraq. And you're beginning to understand this. They're not going to ship you anywhere. They're not going to pick you up. You want all the horror stories of the FEMA camps? Welcome to whatever fucking city you're in. And it probably doesn't get better from here for a while. And mainly because these places are so fucking dysfunctional. Could it be better? Could it be less severe? Could people come together in kindness and community and freedom over tyranny and communism? Could they choose the right path versus the wrong? Absolutely. These are still choices on the table. But there are a lot of cities in the United States of America, a lot of FEMA camps, that are 100% philosophically commie and neocon. And the solutions they have in their head are, you know, ship the homeless people to McNeil Island. They can eat the crab. Their solutions are, magically, we'll get the food from the countryside. And guess what? Like Dr. Freckles says, all that shit works until it doesn't. 
It won't be gradual. It won't be linear. It won't be kind. It won't be gracious. When the moment comes that your whole foods is wholly, you know, empty, there's going to be no fucking warning to speak of. You might have some pixelation. You might notice your eggs are now 20 bucks a dozen. And, and, and I think we'll be there soon enough. But the day that it's just not an option, it'll just hit you like being punched in the face. There won't be any hyperinflation because guess what? You actually have to have shit to buy for there to be any kind of inflation. There has to be eggs there for the eggs to get hyperinflated. And what I'm telling you is there won't be any fucking eggs. And if you're waiting for somebody to pick you up and take you to the FEMA camp, if you live in a city, you're already there. And if you're lucky enough to live someplace like where I live right now, you're not going to want to go anywhere. And those National Guard troops and those military and whatever mercenaries you want to fantasize about as you whack off at midnight, they're going to take care of their own. There's not enough gold or silver to control all the people you would need to do the stupid shit that Alex Jones has been talking about. These people, they're going to take care of the people they care about. They'll take care of themselves. They're not going to be running trains to a fucking FEMA camp. Sorry. Next topic. Damn, that broken arm and Percocet's making you Percocet crazy. And all I can say is fuck you. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Your mind is your final castle. Will you defend it? Your mind is your final castle, your final keep, your final bunker, your infinite storm shelter. Yeah, your mind is your castle. It is your last castle. It is your last wall. When they've taken away your free speech, when they've taken away your ability to be physically autonomous, when they've taken away your ability to make a living or to buy food, the very last thing that they can take from you is your mind. And I don't believe, and this is my faith in God, and, and this is also my own perspectives with vis-a-vis -vis computer science and, and neuroscience, I don't think they can take your mind. I think they can fuck with you. They've always been able to do that. They can target you. They can fuck with you. They can expose you to military psychological warfare on an unprecedented scale for several years like they've been doing since 2020. They can do all that. But for all their power and all their greed and all their evil and all their stupidity, they can't really control your mind. You have to want to give that up. 
You know, people talk about being in cults and being deprogrammed. Brothers and sisters, the ability to get out of a cult, to escape that situation, exists in everyone. You don't need a deprogrammer, but you do need to get your shit together. You do need to reach a moment of, of aha. You have to reach rock bottom. You have to have what they say, a moment of clarity. And then in that moment, you can escape your bullshit. But for a lot of people, it doesn't happen in time. Your final castle, your bulwark, your your great wall of China, your great wall of China is your mind. And the question is, will you defend it? Are you simply going to accept the nonsense that CNN or Fox News or the fucking president, whoever the fuck he is now, are you going to accept the bullshit they feed you, or are you going to think for yourself? And that includes me. Percocet, no Percocet, broken fucking arm or no broken fucking arm. Are you going to have the courage to ask questions, or are you simply going to accept the simplest, easiest thing to accept because it makes you feel better? You know, because someone happened to make you feel better about your situation, about your particular economic or sociological reality. I don't think they can take your mind, but I think you can sell it to them. I don't think they can steal your soul, but you can give it up. I don't think they have the power to do any of the wretched, stupid shit they'd love you to believe they can do. But I do think they can attack you. And I do believe we live in an age of spiritual warfare. Doesn't mean it's the end times. Doesn't even mean it's a sign of the times yet. But do I think there are dark, malevolent entities and agencies working against people, Christian, non-Christian, just plain Americans, 24-7? I do believe that happens. I do believe we're more or less in that East German phase of the Soviet-style collapse. And that's all good in a way because it does indicate that the government is in collapse, you know, and that means we have a chance at freedom again. But it also means that there, if there's a lot of stuff you expect to be there, it might not be there. Maybe that'll be the moment you free yourself. That's up to you next topic. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm afraid of being a burden. This is true um, for me, and I'm not saying this is psychologically healthy or healthy in any way. If you were to ask me what my greatest fear is, um, it really is to be a burden at this point. I don't want people I care about to have to take care of me. But the truth is, because of this accident, there have been people in my life here in Utah who've had to help me out. And there have been people amongst my listeners um, and God bless you, a shout out to everybody, you know, period. Um, I have some pretty generous listeners who've helped out, but there have been people that have helped me, but it's kind of hard for me to accept this help. It's been hard for me to to, to just give in and, and accept it. And part of it, it's vulnerability. It's scary to be vulnerable, you know? Think about the wild animal. 
that's injured and some park ranger or naturalist comes along and they have every intention of helping. They have every intention of helping that fawn, that cougar, that marmoset or whatever, that fucking squirrel. Maybe it's some type of sea otter. And they're there, they're vulnerable, vulnerable to predator. And then some human comes along and puts on a fucking band-aid. You know, we have mythology about a hero removing a thorn from a lion or a tiger. There's There are stories in the Bible, and there are stories in mythology about someone helping out the predator, helping out the dangerous foe that is now vulnerable. But the thing is, what we can all agree upon, those of us with thorns in our feet or, or in a situation with a broken arm, is that it sucks to feel vulnerable. It sucks to feel like you're kind of in a situation where... You're depending upon the people around you, not simply being decent people, but kind of sacrificing, sacrificing some of their space, you know, being willing to do, you know, to to help out with stuff that you can't do. I can't do a bunch of stuff because I only have one arm right now that works. And it's going to be like this probably for at least a month or two. Um, I can't walk the dogs. I love to walk the dogs. It, It made me feel better, but I can't do that right now. I'd be taking a big risk. To be a burden is the thing that scares me the most. And I understand, like I said at the beginning of this particular rant of this topic, that it's not necessarily a healthy way to live. Like you should be willing to accept help, but it's hard for me. The way It's not just the way I was raised, but my experiences with trust in the last decade especially, it's hard for me to be this vulnerable. And yet, right now, I don't have a fucking choice. It's kind of like that last podcast I did where I talked about what happened when I talked about the slip and fall and how I almost didn't get up. I almost didn't get up. Like, it was about three degrees outside. I was probably slipping into shock. If I'd given it 10 to 15 minutes, I probably would have died, died of shock. Shock is a thing that no matter what your injury is, if you get into to shock, the state of shock, and you can look this up yourself, you can rapidly, your health can rapidly deteriorate. And extremely cold temperatures plus a humerus split in two would have been enough, I think, at that moment if I just laid down in the snow. And I'm not saying I should have. I'm glad I didn't. And I don't think it would have been good if I had. But I'd be lying if I didn't say I didn't have a moment where it just felt like I just, I'm tired. You know, I, I've had enough curveballs. I've had enough of the experimentation with this reality. I'm just tired. You know, maybe this is a sign. Just lay down in the snow, scream a few times, ask for help, lay down and fall asleep. In 15 or 20 minutes, you'll be dead. I didn't have very good cold weather gear. It wasn't going to give me any extra minutes, any extra time, so... But that was stupid, too. And I'm glad I didn't listen to that. I'm glad I did get up. I, I'm, I'm not saying that, it, you know, that there isn't an appeal to just sort of give up and give in. These days, I get it. I understand it. I, I understand people that face that question. But what I try to tell people, including myself, is 
it's not time yet. You know, the Lord is going to give you a time because the Lord's in charge when all that will be taken care of. But for right now, if you've got air in your lungs, if you've got clean water to drink, if you have food and shelter, if you have people in your life that care about you, um, maybe even some dogs, then you got to get up off the sidewalk. It might be easier just to slip away, but it's not going to be better. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that you will miss out on. So don't be afraid of being a burden, okay? You might have to be. Don't be afraid of trusting people. You might have to trust people. If you want a chance in hell, especially if you're over the age of 50, of surviving the next few decades, you're going to have to let yourself become vulnerable at times, and it's not going to be great. It won't be easy. If you're lucky enough to have built your life around a community and family and real people and real places, I'm not talking about fucking Facebook. I'm not talking about Twitter. I'm not talking about any of that social media bullshit. If you have built a life around people within walking distance, so to speak, then I think you made some good choices. And I think this issue of vulnerability and trust won't be as shocking. But for a lot of people who live in a city, live in an apartment, and depend upon the social media being the way they build their community, then yeah, breaking a fucking arm could be a lot scarier than it was for me. Especially if the hospitals aren't working. Especially if nobody's coming by to pick you up. Especially as I'm going to remind you, the FEMA camp bullshit is, you know, bullshit. And they're not going to spend any time or resources making sure they fix your fucking arm so you can get to some Walmart in Kansas. They're not. They're really, really not. They don't care if you starve. They don't care about you at all. They care about their own asses, as grifters and con artists and sociopaths often do. But they don't care about your broken fucking arm. It gets back to that thing of what is valuable. Can you have enough gold at the right moment that you could buy people to look out for you in the way that you might need them to look out for you? And the answer is, for most people, that's never going to happen. But what you can do starting today, even if you live in a city, is get to know your neighbors. What you can do starting today, even if you live in a city, is try to understand what your real physical local social network is. And if you're over the age of 50, what you can do is try to ask yourself, what would you do if you broke your arm? You know, Who would you seek out for help and how would you get in contact with them? If the answer that you come up with is that magical necklace with a button on it, <laughs> I think you need to go back to the drawing boards. But anywho, next topic. I had this thing about evil being untestable, and it's sort of true in a way. I think as a Christian or as a person of faith generally, but as a Christian and a person of faith, the gift of discernment is there for you to use. So if you want to understand, you know, especially given the previous topics around being vulnerable, if you want to come to understand if you can trust somebody, you kind of have to trust your ability to see into that other person's heart the way that Christ allows us to do it. Um, but if you were to ask me, is there some fucking test you can give to somebody to determine if they're evil, I'd say no. In fact, you could argue one of the principal features of true evil is the ability to hide itself, the ability to be opaque, the ability to be 
occult, which means hidden. True evil hides in the shadows. True evil is, is something that pretends to be ultimately very good. In fact, some of the most evil people you'll ever find, they hide themselves in institutions, in roles, in positions, amongst people that are trying to do good work. They call themselves nuns, priests, popes, politicians. They call themselves social workers. They hide themselves in a system where your first instinct would be to say, well, they must be good people because they're doing this kind of work. There's no test for evil. You know, there's no way for you to be sure. You can, I think, understand people by their works. You can look at what they do. But the problem with evil is that it will often do good things to hide the evil, to hide the bad. Do the good, hide the bad. It fits into the calculus of the devil. So, next topic. Yeah. Next topic. Oh, boy. And I was going to talk a little bit about Sovietology, but I'm just so done with it. It's funny, I remember reading these articles back in 2017 and 2018. You'd have one article, really a press release from the U.S. government saying, there's never been more Arctic ice. And then you have an article or release the next week, the Arctic is open for business. And it's a lot like China being open or closed based on the COVID. You kind of have to get over that back and forth sinusoidal curve of lies and, and, and escape it. Um, you come to your own judgment. You know, Dane Wigington had reported about a month ago that the temperature in Barrow, Alaska was in the 50s. And I don't know what the temperature is today there. I, I kind of hope it's cold because it would be weird. It would be weird given how cold the continental United States has been. But it looks like the Arctic, as far as temperature goes and other things go, it looks like it's imploding. Again, the methane bomb would work like this. This is exactly how it would work. You know, it would, it would always have been about the Arctic. Um, and the government would never have told you. Anywho, next topic. Um, oh, yeah. Just so you know, recently I've been uploading archive podcasts. So if you're on Spotify or Anchor and you say, Dan, I got all these new podcasts but they're labeled like past years. What's going on, Dan? Well, what's going on is this. I'm trying to upload archive stuff from 2021, 2019, um, 2018 as I have the time. I don't want to overwhelm people, but the reason is because I'm trying to like be a little bit optimistic, right? You know, hey, Dan, can't you be more fucking optimistic? Well, I will be. I'll pretend that Spotify won't cancel me. I mean, I, they're probably already shadow banning me after my SoundCloud experience. I wouldn't expect anything different, especially if it's free. I should say SoundCloud YouTube experience. Um, so fine, shadow banning, whatever. I mean, getting into this like podcast stuff at this point in history and getting all angry or sad about it would make me really fucking pathetic. Um, so the reason why I've been uploading these podcasts is optimistically, I'm going to pretend that as long as shit works and Spotify works, that those podcasts will be available. So if you're wondering about all the uploads in the recent weeks, part of that is that. Part of it is with one arm. I haven't been able to do much podcasting, not much new stuff. 
Just a lot of whatever drag. The old pain, the scrimbus, the bloody stool, the pain from inside that goes outside. You know, it's a jagged, rough feeling as that giant packet of scroton that's been building up in your lower colon starts to move. It's a horrible, scrapey, scrunchy feeling, and you know that it's going to last hours. And you'll scream and you'll bleed to give birth to your shit baby. And then you'll hear the, the little cry of the shit baby. Yes, your shit doctor will slap the shit baby on the butt. And, and the shit turd rock that came out of your a-hole covered in blood and pus and goo will be excreted because it's like, I don't know, four or five days of Burger King. You know, because that's what you've been doing, shithead. That and cottage cheese. Yeah. So I've been uploading previous podcasts, whatever, you know. I experimented with the videos on Spotify feature. I gotta tell you, it's either real buggy or I'm special. And I'm thinking the latter could be just as true as the former. It could be really fucking buggy or I'm special. But what I'll tell you about the video, whatever, on Spotify is from what I can tell, it does not work for me. So if you say, Dan, you can post videos now. No, fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Um, Next topic. I have a link to a, not a recent Dane Wigington, you know, podcast, but I do have one of his Global Alert um, shows linked in there. You can listen to it if you want to. Uh, has something from the Weekly World News I was going to read, but I think I'm over that and I don't want to go over time. Next topic, Arkansas. I was going to talk a little bit about, you know, fucking Bill Clinton Hillary Clinton and the secret codes of Arkansas, but I'm I'm not interested. You can get over that yourself. You can whatever. Fuck Arkansas. There are fascinating, fascinating Amish facts, little facts about the Amish people. There are things that happen to you when you win the Powerball, when you think you're a winner, baby. You'll start fasting to get rid of your gluten belly. Maybe that supermodel will give you a skunk, baby. Yes, indeed, you can use intermittent fasting to clean out your spunctus, to remove your drinkus, so the pain of giving birth to the turd baby can be tossed into the basket of history.
Wear these socks. Sleep on this mattress. Wear these socks. Sleep on this mattress. Wear these socks. They'll help you sleep. Sleep on this mattress. Your hooker wife won't leave you if you do. Yes, baby. Get yourself a beauty rest. Find yourself a hooker life. A hooker wife. A, a cocaine bowl. But you're gonna need to buy these fucking socks, you know? Then it'll all come together, fucker. You know it will. You know it, baby. There's a special place on a secret island. You take your man there. You make a plan there. There's a special place on a secret island. And you can take your significant other to this special island and you can fall in love at Cayo Leventado Resort in the Dominican Republic. It's a secret island. Nobody can find it. It has a bizarre history. Son of Sam lives there. He has the husk knife. It's made by a Japanese monk. He gives it away for free. Yes, there's a Japanese monk in Japan. He makes these knives. They're called the husk knives. He gives them away for below cost. Why does he give away these knives? Because they have a curse. These knives have a purpose. They have a goal to make a hole. Go to Bangkok, go to Thailand, get yourself, you know, a lady boy, go to Bangkok and go shopping, we'll give you money, we'll give you honey. If you come to Bangkok, baby. I don't know what to tell you about whatever. Have you ever noticed the hidden features? Have you ever noticed the fruit that kills cholesterol? Have you ever been to a special place that's not suitable for history books? You can retire. You can retire. You can retire in Costa Rica with your busty hooker and do cocaine for under 2000 bucks a month while supplies last.
Yes, indeed. Someone took a picture, but they showed more skin. More skin than they intended. If you're a side sleeper, be scared. You need to be scared. Someone took a picture. You could see their panties, but then they slept on their side and they almost died. They had a stroke. They're totally broke. They're high on coke. But make sure you don't show too much skin when you're getting out of that car, baby. Oh. 2023. Can I have your car keys? Can I have your drugs? Can I have your money? I see that you're, you're, yeah, you're suicidal. Can I take your gun? Can I take your drugs? Can I take your car? Can I take your money? Can I fuck your wife? It looks like you're suicidal. It's 2023. Yes, it's 2023, if you can believe it. And this podcast is nearly over. Now comes for the the brief begging for money. I've had a lot of generous donors in recent weeks, and um, it's helped. It's helped me buy buy my prescriptions. It's helped me in other ways as well. Um, I wasn't really super smart about spending it a week or so ago because I wasn't really in a super slick smart mood, but um, it bought me time to get my head together. And like I said earlier in this podcast, you know, God bless you if you've been able to help. God bless you if you can't. I know a lot of people out there don't have money right now. Guess what? I understand. If you have the money and you feel like you want to donate, it's up to you. When I started this podcast many years ago, my goal was to have enough listeners that, well, a person, if they wanted to donate, might only donate 10 bucks a year and I could still make ends meet. That was my goal. It wasn't, to, it wasn't to become super rich, super famous. I never intended or expected to, to be more popular than Joe Rogan. Um, but I just wanted to get by. I wanted to work on my writing. I wanted to have enough funding so I could write and podcast and create for as long as possible, as long as it mattered. And this broken arm has made things a little bit more difficult. It, it doesn't mean it's made it impossible. You know, I, I cannot tell people who listen to me to not give up if I give up. I can't give you a speech about picking up the phone and calling a friend if you get depressed and you, and you ever do become suicidal or have thoughts of harming yourself or others. I cannot tell you that if I'm not willing to trust and be vulnerable and even to be a little bit of a burden to people Maybe that's the wrong word, but to be vulnerable to people you care about. I cannot tell you to not give up if I give up. So the reason why I'm still podcasting and the reason why 
you know, I'm still asking for whatever money a person can donate is in part because of that. But I'll also tell you this. It's hard right now. Um, food, water, shelter is more, more important than any podcast or any iPhone or any technology or technology-related item. You know, taking care of your family and the people you love, this is the first priority. And if after you've done that, if after you've taken care of yourself, You've gotten yourself a bit of food on hand because I think that's going to be helpful. It won't guarantee anything. It'll simply be helpful. But if you've taken care of yourself, if you've figured out how you're going to solve food, water, shelter problems, if things get crazy, and I'm sorry, but I think they're going to. Um, and after all this, after taking care of your hookers, your cocaine, your hooker cocaine, your bunkers filled with hookers and cocaine... Um, and you still have some money left over and you want to donate to this podcast, you can. There's a link to PayPal and as long as that still works, it's something you can use. I had a little bit of a hiccup, <laughs> interestingly enough, on the same day I broke my arm and uh, I spoke about that in the last podcast and I don't want to talk about it any longer. But I had a little bit of a hiccup um, a few weeks ago. All I can tell you is PayPal is currently working, and as long as it's working, it's the only show I have in town. You can't send me money because I'm trying to keep this address as private as possible. And even if you did send me money in the mail, I've had my mail opened. Okay? I'm not special, folks. I've had my mail opened. I've had my phone calls listened to. I've had my online identity attacked and destroyed. And it does not make me special. The real truth, the truth that probably scares people more than any of Alex Jones's bullshit, is that I am not special. That this type of East German nonsense is going on all over the place in the United States of America today. All of this, all this nonsense, all this shadow banning censorship nonsense doesn't make anybody special. It just means they're trying to express their thoughts at this point in human history in a society that really doesn't want people to just express their thoughts, you know, where they just assume take your final castle. Like it's checkmate. And for Saturday, January the 7th, it's almost, you know, 420. What does that mean? What does that mean? Yes, for Saturday, January the 7th, 2023, if you can believe it, it's almost 4.20 p.m. here in Utah, not too far from Colorado, hint, hint, wink, wink. And if, wherever you are out there, if you're, Whatever city, whatever town, you know, feast or famine, getting by, holding on, God bless, you know, stick with it. And I can only tell you of something that is absolutely free and I think 100% guaranteed to work, even if it doesn't always work the way you expect it, that in these times, and they're going to be difficult, maybe even scarier than you've seen, in these times... It doesn't mean it's all going to be bad, but something consistent that can help you is prayer. Prayer works. Praying for other people does work. Asking the Lord for help does work. 
And when you think about it, when you get right down to the ultimate vulnerability, the ultimate moment where you say to yourself, am I a burden? Here's what is really simple and, and can pull it together, it does for me. There is no burden you can give to Jesus that Jesus can't carry. There is no struggle, no pain, nothing you face that the Lord in heaven cannot take upon his shoulders. There isn't. One could argue he already did it a couple thousand years ago. It's up to you to ask. It's up to you to say the prayer. It's up to you to ask your friends, can you say a prayer for me? But if you're asking, is there something that can help? Well, there are lots of things that can. But I believe there's one thing that absolutely will help, and that is, if you face a struggle, if you face a crisis, sit down for a moment and calm your soul and pray honestly to the Lord, and I believe that's something that can help. You guys have a great rest of your Saturday.